there, art lovers. Mike Handley here. I'm excited to welcome you to the Drawing Inspiration Podcast. In each episode, I'll be bringing you along on my journey as I explore what it means to be an artist. But don't worry, it's not just going to be me talking about my favorite pencils and sketchbooks the whole time, although those are pretty cool too. I'll also be chatting with other talented artists about their experiences and sharing some of my own insights and reflections on my art journey. So come on in, get comfortable, and let's get inspired together. Episode 93, Textures of the Natural World, an interview with artist Melissa Cormier. Hi there, and welcome back. Thank you for joining me again this week. As always, I am going to cover a few updates, and then we'll jump right into the interview with Melissa. The first thing I wanted to do was uh, just to reach out and thank all my Patreon supporters for their support of this podcast and my journey. So I'm still working on trying to figure out a better tiered model for Patreon, so I'm kind of rethinking that a little bit. I expect to have something ready mid-March in uh, kind of reorganizing things and giving a little bit of a different value to those who support the podcast and my journey. So in the meantime, you can check out my Discord server where I'll be hosting some uh, create-together kind of gatherings where it's an opportunity for us to just work our own stuff. Uh, you can share your audio, you can share your video, uh, you don't have to share either. But the whole intent is, you know, there's times when I'm working on stuff that I just want to be, you know, maybe chatting with people, and I don't know if you're the same way. So I'm going to be spinning up a few of these a week, maybe a couple a week, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, you can find links to the Discord server through this podcast, through my website at mikehenley.com or uh, drawinginspiration.fm. Through Instagram, I had asked you to kind of identify what days and times worked for you. And I think every single day and time was chosen because you're from all around the world. And so I'm going to try and accommodate that with different days and different times. The only thing I can't do is because I have a day job, I can't kind of do it during the week, during business hours, which is Eastern time for me. And so I will try and uh, change it up a little bit to do it evenings and weekends and maybe earlier on the weekends, but I'm going to try a few more. I've done a couple already and I've had a few people come by, so um, I would love to see you there and we can just chat and work on our own stuff. It's not a course, it's not any kind of training, it's just a place to hang out while we create together. So um, check it out and I hope to see you there. I've also been working on some additional graphite work. And uh, there's a reason for that, <laughs> which I can't talk about till the next episode. So tune in to the next episode, 94. But I wanted to uh, spend a little time in my Moleskine sketchbook. So I use that to do a lot of my graphite work. It really can't handle anything more. So I'm focused really on graphite in that book. So I did a couple of giraffes. And once again, using that Pentel Canada Graph Gear 1000, mechanical pencil. So I like the 0.3 millimeter, the 2B lead. If you've heard this podcast before, you've heard me talk about this pencil. I just love it. It is my go-to and I use it for everything. I still carry a Pentel um, Graph Gear 1000 with the 2H lead in it, but I never use it. I was looking at it thinking I should just not carry this with me because I'm able to kind of achieve all the value that I need out of the 2B. I really love this pencil. It is just, uh, it works perfectly for me. I still use a Staedtler, it's a two or three millimeter lead uh, for larger pieces, larger works where I need to get more graphite down, but uh, I really just love this pencil. So I worked on a couple of drafts. My thinking with this is I'm actually going to do it in ink possibly, 
but for sure I'm going to do it in watercolor. So I'm going to maybe try this in different styles and see how that works or different mediums. And then the other piece I did was a, a toucan. And once again, that was in my Etcher accordion sketchbook. It was my first piece in there. I just decided to kind of break in that accordion sketchbook. And it is the smaller one with the uh, hot press paper. So I decided I'm going to put something in here and see where that goes. So I was going to do a bunch of birds. I still may do that. And I may change it up, you know, as a matter of a mix between graphite as well as watercolor and ink. So keep an eye out for that. I'm going to probably be doing more in that uh, accordion sketchbook. Uh, it's kind of a fun book. It's quite thin. So I, I like that idea that I can just pack it more easily into my little uh, travel kit and, and carry it with me. So we'll see where that takes me. I've also nearly completed that tiger and I've got a couple of other pieces that I've been working on. I haven't shared everything that I'm working on, but I'm going to be sharing more as I get into it. And uh, some of these are going to appear in something else I'm going to talk about uh, shortly. So and once again, I'm trying to share these on Instagram, but I'm also sharing them on my website as well. I'm mindful that uh, social media isn't where you should put everything. So uh, I always try and share through Twitter, but I also share it on my website with maybe a little bit more commentary coming in the future as well. So one of the things I'm taking on for the next 10 weeks is I'm going to be doing one YouTube video a week. So 10 YouTube videos in 10 weeks. And this is going to be a bit of a kickstart for me to get more YouTube content up. I have them all planned out and I'm going to start the first one. Or I'm going to release the first one, I should say, in the coming week. And then I'm going to release one a week after that. The reason I'm doing this is trying to kickstart, once again, getting uh, video content out. But also I'm going to mix it up a little bit to see about uh, views and interest and things like that. Uh, some of them will be product discussions or talking about my kit. Others will be... Uh, videos targeted around some of the pieces that I'm working on as well. So I'm going to mix it up a little bit and I'd be uh, really happy if you could provide some feedback, some comments. So I will talk about them in the podcast as well. And you can find a link to my YouTube channel in the show notes. You can also find it through mykenley.com slash links where I link to the Discord server I mentioned earlier as well as my YouTube channel. And that's where you can find me in different formats. I think that's it for updates. Now let's head into that interview. I discovered my guest this week on the Pentel Canada website, as we were both selected to be ambassadors to represent the brand. I was immediately drawn into her work through her delicate use of graphite pencil and powder to render abstract patterns that were very organic and familiar. Her works spoke to me, and the more I looked at them, the more I saw. In the interview, we talk about her decision to go out on her own, finding her voice and the value of a morning routine. We talk about travel and the inspiration she found through residency in a provincial park. We have fun chatting about scratch and sniff art, flying earwigs, movies, and the scariest thing ever. Her homework will force you to look the other way. To talk about her creative journey, I welcome to the Drawing Inspiration podcast, Melissa Cormier. Hi, Melissa. How are you? Hello. How are you? <laughs> Acting well. <laughs> I am so excited to have you on. I've been looking at your wonderful graphite work forever. And, and you know, we're going to get into this real deep. And I think we need to because I look at your work sometimes, and I feel like, sometimes it speaks too much about who I am that I have to look away. It's like, <laughs> it forces me to reflect on the human being I am. I see myself. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> internal uh, monologue, internal reflection. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I can't look too much. I'm going to have to come back to that one. I need a little bit of work. Um, yeah, I mean, your, your work is mind blowing. And 
the reason I got exposed to it was actually because of Pentel. <sighs> Pentel Canada. Good old Pentel. Good old Pentel. Um, <laughs> lovely tools, lovely company. And we're both ambassadors for the for Pentel Canada. And Ooh, yeah. they rolled that out. And then my immediate thought was, who are the other folks? And <laughs> I, I looked around and I saw you and it was like, I had no idea you existed. I had no idea you could do this magic with, with pencil. Aww. And, uh, you're too kind. You're too kind. <laughs> <laughs> it's just wonderful to see people using tools to express themselves and i think you do it so brilliantly and uh, i was just so excited to have this opportunity to to have you on i've been wanting to have you on for a while and i'm glad we're able to fit it in so you're excited i'm excited i'm (laughs) so thrilled to be here awesome and uh, what i think is so brilliant i was looking at i was doing research on you and what i loved the most i shouldn't say i love the most but i think what is is reflective of maybe where we're going to get to with your art is your url (laughs) <laughs> oh my web! Oh my website! Yes, yes. Do you do you want the the story of that? I guess of of why it is spelled backwards. <laughs> um. So when I first started my social media journey, so to speak, mm-hmm. I wanted something that was. I could have the same on every platform. So Melissa Cormier was taken um, on certain platforms and not on others. But I was like, oh, I kind of want it to be the same. So I started with Aslam Rainrock, which is Melissa Cormier backwards. And then I was like, that's almost too long of a thing to type into like social media. So I wanted something a bit shorter, which is where A-R-M-C. So A, Aslam, R, Rainrock, and then M-C, Melissa Cormier Studio. So that's where, yes. that, that's where that came from. <laughs> I, I I saw that and it's like the art makes sense now. Like they, there's a there's a bit of cleverness there. I feel like this this person plays escape room and puzzles and things like that yes, too. So absolutely, yes. Love me some puzzles, man. Love me some puzzles. <laughs> so I want to get into your art, but I always like to start with understanding the person behind this. We all uh, identify with individuals with parts of their stories, and so I wonder if you can talk to you as a child and creativity and uh, and how you were brought up and, and what your interests were and, and how kind of all started for you. Oh, geez. Okay. Uh, wow. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess my earliest memories, fondest memories when I was a kid was, was drawing, was coloring, was, you know, I think everyone had coloring books and always, you know, I got to get the Disney one to, you know, color in Pumbaa or whatever. But I guess it started there and it kind of shifted into uh, drawing things, you know. But my earliest memory, I guess, of like drawing something was like portraiture. I used to draw what I seen, you know, to learn you know, how light plays on shapes and shadows and how it cascades and how to to shade and like, you know, kind of learn the basics or the fundamentals of drawing. And that's kind of where it started. And well, as you know, I kind of shifted into total abstraction from there. But I mean, that's what they always said in school. It's like, learn your basics, learn the fundamentals, which is true. I definitely paved the way to to where I am now, like, kind of thing. But um, sorry, what was the question? (laughs) I'm like, ah, but yeah. So it was portraiture that you were first drawn to? Yeah, like I started drawing uh, from magazines, like I used to get Vogue magazines, because I used to do like um, collages, you know, like, because Vogue magazines were like the best, because they're like a billion pages, and they were like $8 at the time. But uh, so I used to draw like models. I used to first I started drawing eyes because I love eyes because I mean the detail in the iris of a human Mm -hmm. eye is just the coolest. And that's I think where it really started for me. 
was drawing eyes because, you know, you, you get lost in the detail of just the eye. So first it started off as a person, then I focused on eyes, then I focused on the iris of the eye, and then I just kind of took that and wandered a bit. You know, you see so many, and we're going to get into this, so many textures in, in what you're doing. Um, what was your upbringing like? Were you around nature and, and things when you were growing up as well? Or Yeah, no, I, I was. I was born in a city and I was there for quite a few years. And then my parents moved us out to the country. Um, but prior to that, even before we were in the country, I uh, always loved going for walks. I went a lot with my dad because uh, we had dogs. So we always had to take them for walks. We were always walking um, by the rivers, Brantford, where I was, where I grew up. I was born in Hamilton, but I, I grew up in Brantford and then Simcoe recently and now Toronto. <laughs> so, beep, beep, beep. But um, um, yeah, so I mean, I, I always been fascinated with nature and leaves and fungus and just kind of the, the smaller things. Like I'd, I have a huge collection in my studio of just like, rocks and shells and pieces of like sand from everywhere I've been I collect dirt or sand it's a weird kind of collection I suppose but uh, I have that stuff everywhere and it started when I was really young like I loved collecting stuff from nature and that definitely serves as kind of a basis for my drawing did art stick with you through high school uh, was that oh, yeah. a focus for you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Basically, math class was just a drawing class to me, which is <laughs> terrible because math is important. Learn your math. But um, I was one of those doodlers in the in the margin, you know, kind of thing. I just, I always thought about art. And when I was supposed to do other things, I was like, no, I want to draw, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, all throughout high school, I took, uh, art, my high school was actually really good for art programs because not only did they have an art class, they also had a printmaking class and they had a sculpture class, which was really cool. A lot of high schools just had art and you kind of did everything in that class. Mm. Whereas the high school I went to, it was like, yeah, there was an actual paper making class. So I got to do etching, you know, and I was like, I don't know, I guess 15, 14. I'm like, how old are you when you're in high school? I had to think about that. <laughs> but, uh, and then sculpture. So I was kind of really lucky in that way. And the teachers I had were an inspiration. Do you know what I mean? They they definitely made all the difference to push me in that direction. Because, I mean, pursuing a career in art or even thinking about it is terrifying. Because it's like, you know, you don't know how it's going to go. You don't know if people are going to like it. You don't know if people are going to buy your stuff. But, like, they were like, if, you know, we can see that you love it you should pursue it, go to school, get education or whatever, and just keep at it, basically. So teachers are, teachers rock. <laughs> teachers are so important. The teachers make a huge difference. I mean, I'm even seeing it with my daughters who are teenagers. Well, one's, one's 20, but. Aw, they're still your little kids, right? In your heart. So, yeah. <laughs> but I see, you know, they will talk about, oh, Mr. So-and-so proposed this idea and this and that. It's like, I told you that last week. <laughs> like, but you know, they're a teacher. So, uh, okay, but, okay. but that's all to say that teachers really have like, they're so core to who we are. Um, oh. So much of even my art, like I remember back in like grade three, grade four, some of the art projects I did, I, I built a whole town out of popsicle sticks. The, <gasps> no the village I lived in, I built that's it out of popsicle cool. I still that's have cool. pictures of that somewhere. I was going to say, do you still have it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have it, but I have pictures. I have proof. Uh -huh. um, I love it. Love it. But I remember... And, and I'm, I'm older than you, but I, I, at the time, it didn't feel like art was appropriate for me because everybody, like all the other kind of guys I hung out with, it would, just didn't work. Mm -hmm. um, 
But uh, the teachers were always there. They were always there to receive you in kind of exploring things. And some were good, you know, some were better than others. But of course, yeah. It, like, if you're a teacher and you can hear us talking, thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. Keep doing your awesome work and beautiful work because truthfully, like, I mean, my parents were always really supportive too. Mm-hmm. I was lucky that way because I had friends who, you know, wanted to pursue art, but their parents were like, no, you're going to, you know, you're going to get a, a degree that will go somewhere, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of thing, right? So, but my parents were always really supportive, but it helps not only to have it in the home, but in school because, you know, you mean your parents are your parents, yes, but when you have an outside kind of uh, perspective of somebody else that isn't a relative to say, hey, yeah, you got this, you should do it. Right. Yeah, it feels sometimes that as a parent, what you're doing is trying to polish the edges mm-hmm. and, and they get the kind of overwhelming direction sometimes from the teachers. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, my daughter will be like, oh, I want to do this. And it's like, let's, uh, we're working on some video work. And I was like, let's just do this. And, and let's, she wanted to interview herself. So I said, you know, when you're shooting the other version of yourself, you have to have that video of you nodding, like you're, <laughs> you're receiving the question, right? Yes. And she added it in and her teacher was like, that was really clever what you did. And it's like, uh. Who did? <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take this one. Uh, I love but it. it's it, it is it is great that interaction with 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 teaching, and I'm going to talk. We're going to come back to teaching when okay. we get a bit later on as well. But um, it's wonderful that you had that opportunity. And did you take that then when you went on after high school? Is is that something you then carried you through to your next stage in your life? Oh yeah, like I, I mean, I guess. After high school, I took a break. I took a, I took a year, I think, because we, I was, I think the first year where o, OAC was removed, where, you know, there was that 13th year yes. that you had to go, but they got rid of it. Um, I missed it. I, I took that extra year because I was like, like, what, 17 and like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I knew I wanted to do art, but I was like, do I want to do illustration? Do I want to do animation? You know, because part of uh, what I used to draw when I was younger, too, is car- like characters and cartoons, like make my own cartoons because I had an ambition to work for Pixar. But then I realized, you know, they work like 24 hours a day. <laughs> and it was like mostly computer work. And I wanted to draw. And like those jobs are really hard to come by but um but then I, I quickly realized that that wasn't my thing either do you know what I mean like it takes mm-hmm. time I think to find your voice and creativity be it art music or whatever but um I definitely took uh the advice from my teachers all throughout my life like I'm still in contact with them to this day do you know what I mean like they that's awesome yeah like they I owe them a lot you know I and they deserve to to feel that kind of like yeah okay I made a difference in a kid's life and you know and so you, you you took some time off and then you decided, I'm going to do this thing. Yeah, like I was um, <laughs> going through my timeline. Uh, so high school and then I worked for a bit and then I traveled. I wanted to kind of see a bit of the world because at this point I hadn't really been anywhere except for I went to Scotland with my friend, um, which was really cool. And then, yeah, I kind of traveled a bit and then I got a job at a um, printing company which inspired me to go into printmaking. But prior to that, actually, I went to McMaster just for a year. I, I loved it. I loved the teachers there too in the program. But then I think I was just still too young. I kind of wanted just to work and make money and like, you know, and travel really. Like I wanted some experience, life experience, I suppose. But um, 
yeah, and then so McMaster, uh, and then I left, and then I took more time off. <laughs> it's, it's probably a really bad uh, thing. <laughs> Go to school, continue. But um, and then I took more time off. But I did kick myself, and I went back to school. I went to OCAD, so I finished my education, got my BFA at OCAD University um, in printmaking. Which, sorry, brings me back to my point. I worked at a printmaking company, so we made magazines and stuff. So different, but I fell in love with. The, the process of printmaking, like the layering of color to achieve an image right. and all that kind of stuff. So I guess I wouldn't have taken it had I not had that job either. So it's everything happens for a reason, basically. <laughs> I, I get a real mix of people who are self-taught and those that have a BFA or an MFA. What was the experience like for you going through a BFA? Uh, honestly, um, and I, and I should say it's a Bachelor of Fine Arts in case yes, yeah. <laughs> people are just wondering. I, I have to remind myself, I'm trying to be mindful of the listener. And yeah. so, yeah, we're talking Bachelor of Fine Arts or a Master's in Fine Arts. So you have a Bachelor in Fine Arts in printmaking, but maybe you can talk through what that was like. Oh, okay. So honestly, it, uh, it was a wonderful process. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I mean, uh, the expense of it, however, you know, as <laughs> most people will probably say, yeah, but uh, I don't regret it at all. Like I've made some lasting friendships that I still have um, and, and teachers as well that I, I still communicate with. You get, I think school gives you perspective and it gives you inspiration from other people. Like you can have your set style and things, but you go to a class and you're like, whoa, I never even heard of this other artist that you're talking about. So then you research, you look into them and you're like, wow, I'm totally inspired by that process or those materials they use or whatever. So I think school is such a beneficial thing to have because, you know, it definitely shaped my art the where, where, where it is now. Like, even though I took printmaking, it eventually shifted into abstract prints and abstract making in that way. Cause I kind of started again with representational and I haven't, I really found my voice I'd say maybe five years ago only like the style I'm kind of doing now was like five years ago. And I graduated in 2012, I think. So, I mean, even it's, it, I don't know. It takes, for me, it took a while to find my call, like my voice in my work, but school is a big, big part of that. What was it like finding your voice? Did you know? Um, I th yeah, I think it clicked. Once I started following my intuition, to be honest with you. Because before I'd always try to draw some, like I'd be like, all right, I got to draw this. Or I'm going to start with this. But now my work just kind of starts completely haphazardly and completely chaotically. For, for the most part, like whether it be watercolor or whether it be graphite powder, graphite. I just start making scratches on paper or marks on paper. And then I look at it and then I start building from that. So it's like where chaos starts, you know, order ensues afterwards, I guess. <laughs> I hope so. I'm making sense. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds good. Okay, no, it, good. It, but you can see that when you when you do your reels uh, and you see the video of your work, it's it's exciting. It's like, <laughs> what is it going to be? <laughs> yeah, what, what's next? What's coming? I don't know either. So that's the cool thing. <laughs> it is cool. So you uh, you got your BFA. Yes. And then what did you do? Did you work for someone else? Did you say, I'm going to go and do this full time? Uh, oh, so this is, remember, I, we were talking about our first little meeting. Uh, I said to you, the reason what got me into art full time. And this was that. So after I finished uh, school, I, you know, like most students, most people coming out of university, you got to get a job because, you know, student loans are out. You got to start making some money, paying your rent, all that kind of, you know, adult stuff, right? So <laughs> I uh, I got a job uh, with a company in Toronto and I was there for six years 
I was there for a long time because, you know, I really, and it was not art related. It was um, insurance, actually, of all things. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, yeah, I had like clients and stuff like that. It was, I won't bore you with the details of what I did, but it definitely wasn't art related. But uh, you're the, you're the second artist. Of, oh, really? You're the second artist. And the other artist from the Toronto area still works in insurance. Okay. Uh, so that's interesting. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so go ahead. No, and that's the thing. Like, I, I'm not downing it whatsoever. I loved it. That's why I stayed for six years. I had a great team of people. You know, I, I, uh, I was comfortable. But I was still doing art on the side. So, like, I was, I was financially stable. And, you know, I had some of the, like, friends to this day that I still stay in contact with. Like, I, I, uh, I loved it. I loved going to work, actually. You know, it was great. But the reason why is something happened within the company, a divestiture. And so I either, I either had an option to stay but have to commute double what I already had to commute. And I was already commuting an hour. So my commute there would be two and two. So four hours a day commuting. I was like, wow. I don't know, man. Time is important. Time is is a beautiful thing that you don't want to waste. You know, I mean, yeah, okay, I read a lot while being on the subway and stuff like that, but that's a little too much. So basically I was at a crossroads and I could stay and go with the company or just completely take the leap and jump. And that's what I did. So I'm not saying it was easy. It was definitely a struggle. Still some days continues to be, but uh, I'm so happy that I did. Well, we're so happy that you did because <laughs> your work gets we'll into see. our lives. So. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but that's that's hard. And, it you know, is. I had another artist on recently as well who was talking about, you know, sometimes those opportunities in life are thrust upon us, right? Yeah. And it's, it is an opportunity. It's it Maybe it was a challenge. It maybe it was difficult. But yeah. to look at it as an opportunity, yeah. um, it, it's not easy, but it's earned. I mean, the pleasure that you have in what you're doing has been earned, right? Yeah, I mean, well, we'll see. <laughs> Give it some time. I don't know. Like, maybe I'll be going to do something else. So that's the beautiful thing with life. I mean, you, you never yeah. have to stay on one path the whole time. You could be like, you know, I, um, I'm i actually looking into getting my, uh, it's not a license. It's like a certification for uh, helping wildlife. Basically, like um, injured or sick animals. Okay. So you get like a, a thing through the government. So you're basically legally allowed because the reason why is <laughs> this is totally going off topic. I'm sorry. It's there okay. was a skunk that, that came on our property and it was a baby. And of course, you know, I'm like, I had to help it. So I did. But uh, so we, but the thing is, I didn't have the ability to, to keep and to maintain and to help it or whatever because of that. So I had to reach out to a, a rehabber to take it. But just things like that. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I'll do that for a while or something. But I mean, ultimately, art has always been the cornerstone. That's that's so funny that you say that because I've worked with the local birding group. Oh. Um, and I've gone out and rescued, I think, maybe five or six birds that oh. were injured. Cool. And just kind of ferried them here and there. And we had... A duckling, because we have a pond and we have ducks that come every year, and they they nest in the boxes I made for them. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and I think it was two years ago. We or maybe it was last year. I don't remember. Maybe it was last year. We had a duckling who was left behind, couldn't get out of the box. So what happens with these ducks, these uh, mergansers, is they jump out of the box. They emerge from their eggs. This is not art related, but this is what the podcast <laughs> hey, is about. Hey, I love it. I love it. I love duck talks. I have ducks. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the the ducks emerge, and the next day they leap out of the box, oh. and then they go into the woods. So it's it's they don't hang around like mallards and stuff like that. They're gone. Okay. And so we had this duckling that didn't 
jump out of the box. And so we took care of it mm. for a couple of days. And eventually, another grouping was available. I, I think they jumped out of the box. And so we were able to bring it over and get them to connect. And then they all left as a family. Oh. So <laughs> That's like a, some Pixar ending, man. It's so cute. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I mean, to, to your point, it's it's having these opportunities to be exposed to these yeah. things that lead us on to the next thing. Exactly. And, like I, know. every experience in life is uh, an inspiration or an experience to take with you to something else, you know? Exactly. Like any job I've ever had, I've never been like, oh, you know, it's always, I've learned a lot from, from anything I've done, you know? What, um, what artists do you think have influenced you in what you do? Um, that's tough. I was actually having to think of that. Honestly, I, th I think, um, and a lot of people might disagree because, or not disagree, but I know people are, are, are uh, have interesting opinions towards Salvador Dali, but I do love his work. I'll never forget the first time I saw Sleep, one of his pieces. I think it was at the Metropolitan, Metropolitan Museum in New York. And I was just like, it's like when you see art in real life, it's like a whole different experience than seeing it in a digital form. And I just, I love his work. And I love H.R. Uh, Geiger. So I, <laughs> oh, yeah, I love his. I, you probably see some similar, because he's definitely a big influence of mine. Um, his work is definitely more on the erotic side of things. Yeah. Um, but I love the sci-fi kind of works. There's so much detail in sci-fi artwork. Definitely. You know, I, I was going to, I'm glad you answered that, because that's exactly what I was thinking. Oh, I was yeah. thinking... You know, how would I describe your work? Well, it's a mix of Dali and, and Geiger. Like, that's the, exactly what I was thinking because, uh, and, and when people see this, and just a reminder, I always do this in every podcast, there's excellent show notes. So as we're talking through some of this, follow the show notes, and you'll have a link there as well to, to Melissa's Instagram and everything else. But when you look at her work, you're going to see, <laughs> I, I hope you see some of yourself in that, because it is, it, it really does pull you in. And it, it does reflect that kind of, kind of the, a different view of the world that Geiger had, as well as Dali. And uh, yeah. I, I think... Yeah, for sure. You can see that influence. <laughs> oh, that's that that uh, that's that's a huge compliment. Was it fairly easy for you to to say I'm going to do the art thing? And what was the kind of the first one or two things that you did when you decided? <laughs> this <laughs> this is what I'm doing. I I don't know. Like I think a lot of it too is. Uh, imposter syndrome do you know when you when you become an uh, like when you say you're an artist it's like am I actually an artist do I have to make a certain amount a year to be an artist and all this kind of stuff that goes through your head but ultimately like if if you create or make things like that then you are you're creative you're an artist and I guess I think when I officially could give myself the title of which artist was probably when I I started doing it full time. But I mean, even then, if you're doing it part time, you're still an artist. I think like, if it's, if it's all you can think about when you wake up in the morning, you're like, I can't wait to create something, be it whatever. I think that's, that's uh, enough in of itself to, to be like, yeah, I am an artist. Scream it from the rooftops, you know, I want to mm -hmm. create. And when you were starting, were you doing your own kind of original works? Or were you doing commissions? Or how did that start for you? Um, when you started your business, right? Oh, okay. You, so yeah. uh, business, uh, definitely I just started just drawing, started making work. I, I started with the basics, you know, get yourself on social media, uh, get a website going. Definitely big websites, big thing. Um, you know, with your basic about section, CV is a big thing to have. This is what I learned in school. Now, whether it's still relevant, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I'm assuming it's still important. But so I just started making work for me. And I still continue to make work for me, but I also do commissions, which 
you know, at the end of the day, it's still for me too. Like they may have some contribution of what they'd like. Like I work a lot from words. I like words instead of like, oh, I want a drawing with this texture. It kind of, it, it, um, it, if I'm not like my work comes from intuition. So if I'm not feeling adding it at that, it won't work with the overall composition, if that makes sense. So I, I love working from words. I think that's a really fabulous way to, to start a piece. And so then I, those are the commissions I do, but initially, sorry to answer your question. Oh, I'm rambling, but, um, is I, I just started making work and just posting it. And then commissions came after the fact. That's wonderful. Yeah. I'm so glad. <laughs> your work is so compelling in that it, it exposes a story that's untold. And I think that it, part of it is your story, right? That you're exposing. And part of it is the story that, that we build up in our mind as we look at the piece. Which one are you more excited about? Are you more excited about sharing your story or what people say their story is when they view your work? Oh, that's a good question. You're a good podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) No, you are. But, um, okay. That's, that's an interesting question. Um, Hmm. I do. I have to admit, I do love when I get messages, either comments or DMs or whatever, about a piece that I post, and they're like, "Oh, I see this in the image." Um, which, uh, like, a big part of my work is I can't. It's pareidolia. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. It's probably totally wrong. But basically, it's you see something representational in something that isn't representational. So, like, an example of uh, that would be if you look at a cloud. A cloud is just a cloud, but a cloud could look like a horse or, you know, a dragon or something like that. Right. We know it's not a dragon. It's a cloud, but that's, that's a part. Anyways, when I get messages, they're saying, like, the drawing is completely abstract. There's no intent behind it as far as representation, representing a physical uh, form or something in existence. And, but I get a message and they're like, oh, I've I seen a, I totally seen like an eyeball in it, or I seen a flower you know, kind of thing. So I I love hearing people's perspectives of my work and what they see. Sometimes it's very different. You know, someone will see this and someone else will see this. And I'm like, I didn't even, and I didn't even see it kind of thing. So it's like, I'm discovering new things in my work through other people. For you, social media and having that exposure is, is a two way street. Yeah, definitely. You're posting it. Maybe we're thinking about the likes and the followers, but you're posting it because that's helpful feedback for you. Yeah, like I I love hearing back from people um, and what they see and how they feel. Like I've gotten some beautiful comments from people just like, you know, this first time in a long time I've seen abstract work that made me feel something or like, I don't know what I'm feeling, but I'm feeling something. And I'm like, what better comment really though, you know, things like things like that. So yeah. (laughs) In your CV, you talk about you know, the various shows and everything you've been part of. And you talk about residency in, in uh, Algonquin Park. Oh, yeah. And I saw that and it's like, oh, I'd <laughs> so love to do that. This was in 2018. Can you talk about what that was like? Sure. Oh, that was that was uh, amazing. That was sadly the only residency I've had so far. I'd love to do more. But yeah, it was, I'll never forget when I got the email. They're like, oh, we'd love to have you. I was like, I think I'm, I jumped up and down and screamed and uh, you know, I kind of went crazy because I was like, A, I love Algonquin because it's, it's so beautiful. And B, I got to stay there, you know, and just make work for, uh, I think it was a week, a week. But I also, the coolest thing was I had access to the archive room, which they had specimens of like 
every creature that's obviously in and around the park. So like all the birds, they had, you know, natural causes, obviously they died. So they'd collect them and they'd stuff them. So they had this beautiful archive room and a moose skull, like I've, never would have been able to hold or see so I, I drew a lot from I actually spent most of my time in there I went for quite a few hikes actually by myself but I was like I need to take advantage of this archive room because it'd be like going to the ROM and having access and touching the the stuff and and rotating it and drawing exactly what you wanted from it right so that was definitely a highlight and honestly the the park rangers they were they were gas because I stayed with them I had my own kind of room like it was kind of like a trailer and it was like a room in a trailer, but there was the main house where you cooked and I lived with all the, the park rangers. So they taught me so much too. That's, that's so cool. Yeah. And so when you mentioned the ROM, for those who aren't from Ontario, that's yes. the Royal Ontario Museum, <laughs> yes. uh, which is fantastic. If you're in Toronto, it is a must, a must oh, uh, see. hundred percent, hundred percent. And so I will link to that also link to Algonquin Park. So if you ever come to Ontario and you want to experience a large provincial park, yes. Algonquin Park is incredible. Highway 55, man, you got to drive it. So good. Yes, <laughs> it's so good. That's that's cool. I've always wanted to do a residency. And for me, it's like, uh, you know, I would love to do Algonquin Park. I'd like to go to like Finland or like somewhere that's just totally different. Yes. Right? I There's one, is it the Faroe Islands or the Baskin, Bas, Blaskin Islands? I'm totally saying it wrong, but there's basically a residency in the middle of nowhere. And it's like, <laughs> it's, it's rough in it, man. I don't even think there's electricity. I think it's like very oh. old school, but yeah, I know. But how wonderful that would be with no distraction, no yeah. phone going off every five minutes, bleep, bleep, bleep. You know, it's just like, there's complete disconnect. I mean, I don't know if that would be terrifying. <laughs> like you'd probably want to lease a satellite phone just in case something happened, but. Uh, I think so. I think that would yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I, I take that back. That actually sounds terrifying. But I guess as far as the internet specifically, the the aspect of not having to be tethered or connected um, in that way, this think of the work you'd make, you'd completely focus. You know, I try my best to like disconnect for a few hours a day, like either turn off my phone. But see, that's the thing. If I my phone's off, then I have my computer on, I'm working on something, I get notification. Like I know I can silence them and stuff. I should probably get mm -hmm. better at doing that. But uh yeah, I don't know. I'd be it'd be cool. I definitely want to do more residencies. Where would be like one of your dream places for residency? I don't know. Like the idea of being somewhere, like you said, that where there's there's no anything mm -hmm. um is 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 interesting. I don't think I'd want it to be to be in a place that I could possibly die. Like I think I'd want to be <laughs> In Wikipedia at some point, but I wouldn't want to be there because I was the last artist at this residency because I died from yeah. some kind of lizard. Fair enough. Yeah, um, fall off a cliff or a wave came up or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. That's uh, true. I don't think I'd be opposed to like the jungles or anything like that. I'd love the Galapagos. I think that, that would be incredible. Yes. Uh, I know that um, a previous guest, uh, Sophie Green, is doing a, a trip down there. As oh, part wow. of kind of an artist thing. That's cool. Uh, That's really so I, cool. It is cool. Yeah. I just kind of want to, uh, I'd like to ex explore some some areas that have very different vegetation than what we see here in Ontario. I will say when, when I was in Iceland, I went for a trip. I was only there for, I don't know, four four days, I think. Three nights, four nights, three days, or five days or something. But anyways, it completely different landscape. It's kind of, it's so crazy when you go to different parts of the world and it's just so neat how yeah. like the the vegetation changes the lichen the lichen or whatever on rocks yes. completely changes which i love drawing you know that kind of stuff and um yeah it's just definitely like and and the fact that 
there's not a lot of trees that I notice in Iceland. Whereas yes. Canada, you know yourself, like they're everywhere, right? Yep. But Iceland, there wasn't much at all, which I just, even just that thing you take for granted, you know, kind of thing like trees. <laughs> have you ever been to Newfoundland? You know, it's funny you mention that. <laughs> I have not, but I'm actually going there this summer. That's awesome. Yes. It I'm is. so excited. It is. It feels like a different part of the world because you've got so many so i don't know where you're going we did the whole loop from um from uh porta basque uh, so Ooh, which is, i'm definitely talking to you then <laughs> yeah so we did we did the whole loop from kind of the only thing we didn't do is kind of the southern coast we okay. did the whole loop up to the top to uh uh where the vikings landed where, where leif erickson landed and they got scared away <laughs> because we were too vicious uh, or the people there at the time were too vicious oh, um, wow. and so it's so interesting when you travel through, and I'm going to have to send you on a bunch of little spots to visit, but it is such different territory if you just drive a few hours. Now, it is a lot of driving. That's okay. But I love it driving. Is, it is incredible to see the differences in so many of the communities. I want to go back so bad because I wasn't as into drawing and painting and everything as I am now, so I feel like I, I missed to- out, so I want to go back. Yeah. But it's beautiful. Oh, Newfoundland's wonderful. That's so great. I I I, I actually am gonna I'm gonna be bugging you in your DMs for like, yo man, where do I gotta go? Because <laughs> I I'm a person that when I travel, I don't like to plan an itinerary, but I do like to have direction. If that makes sense, like I I don't want to miss anything. If I like, so I, I'm one of those people that does a lot of research and whatnot, and then whatever happens happens, like I kind of thing, but. Yeah, I know. I definitely would love to hear some of your stories from from there because honestly, I'm just excited to see some icebergs. Like it's such a simple thing, but you know, yeah. we're going uh, in June. So, I, from my understanding, I think it's what is it called? It's like there's like it's like called the pathway. It's where the icebergs float up and down. I guess yeah. that time of year. But I'm sure I'll learn more about it when I go. But yeah, we went up there. I think we spotted one or two. But what was more interesting is places like Grossmorn and. There's an, there's an inland fjord, and I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it, there are mountains there that are taller than the CN Tower, like it is, and there's a tour, and there was a there was a, a moose that ran across this trail that we had to walk to to get to this inland fjord. It oh, is wow. just another world I love altogether. It. Oh yeah. my gosh, I'm so excited. You're making it's me so super cool. hyped. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, before this becomes a, a travel podcast... Let's go back to, because we were talking about Algonquin Park and your residency there, and I think before we get into kind of how you create, it would be good to understand what tools you're using maybe at this point to understand like what paper you're using. Uh, We know the mechanical pencil you love to use. Thank you, Pentel. (laughs) What up, Pentel? (laughs) (laughs) But if you could talk through kind of the tools that you're using and creating the pieces that you do. Sure. So uh, for the most part, um, I'd I'd use um, Pentels uh, because they are good. The graph gear, as I know you know, you're well familiar, we use that one as well. I just, it's the weight. It's it's interesting. So when I first started art, I just used whatever pencil. But as you start drawing more and more, the weight distribution of a pencil plays a huge factor into what you draw. So like if I use a pencil and it's just different, I'm like, I draw differently. But yeah, sorry, I digress. Graphite uh, mechanical pencils, but also graphite pencils. Like even, honestly, like sometimes all I have at hand is like, a, you know, the scholastic pencils you got in school, mm-hmm. like the orange doohickeys. Yeah, those, those were great. I use those, um, but also graphite powder. 
I love graphite powder. Do you make your own graphite powder or do you buy it? Oh, I buy it, yeah. I, I did when I first started just to play around with the idea of uh, graphite being in a powdered form versus like a stick or, you know, whatever. But then I eventually, I invested in like a thing of graphite powder just because a little goes a long way. Like the jar I bought, I bought that. Oh, I don't know, like seven years ago. And it's like, I barely dented it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a lot less work than to sit there and shave graphite, you know, especially if you're working on a big piece. Like I do a lot of work 22 by 30 and to sit there and shave a pencil for the graphite you'd need to cover right. it would be a nightmare. So, so yeah. I haven't worked with graphite powder and, and I'll let you get to the other tools, but I just want to yeah. talk about this for a second. Are you buying graphite powder in the same way you buy pencils? Like, are you buying like like 2B or 4B graphite powder, or is it just understood to be dark? Yeah, I I, I think I, I feel foolish. I don't know the actual answer to this, is it? <laughs> now I got to check my tools. But um, <laughs> it just says it's general as graphite powder that I use, okay. or um, is it Krita Color is another one that's good, I think. And I think it's just general graphite powder. I don't think, because you can achieve very light. It depends on your application. So if you go at it very lightly and just put a couple flecks of it, uh, you'll get like a... I guess like a 2B kind of tone. And right. then if you go on and apply layer by layer by layer, you can go all the way up to like, you know, 6B, 8B, like really dark. And are you getting a shine? Like you, you... So yeah, that's the it's a thing. So what I've uh, what I do sometimes too is like incorporate uh, charcoal powder. Okay. But char- so that's a delicate dance and that I'm still learning to how to properly uh app like the application of the two, because if you apply a lot of graphite and it's like the sheen and you go on it, you won't be able to put charcoal on it. It just slides off. Right. So it's kind of a balance between the two. If I really want a dense black, but I will say uh, a, a thing you can do if you use a heavy application of graphite powder is to um, use a fixative that takes away some of the sheen I find. And then it's all, if you want to, if you're worried about the picture capturing, it's all in the lighting you use to avoid the kind of, the sheen of it, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's always a challenge with pencil, especially with the Instagram stuff. It's such is, it's always rather. (laughs) So you're using graphite powder, charcoal powder. um, And I agree with the mechanical pencil. I think that was always the nice thing about, even if it's a clutch pencil or if it's the Pentel graph gear is the length of the pencil doesn't change. The weight doesn't change. Yes. Uh, you get and, it. You get it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I still use, I, I like playing with the Stadler, the Mars Lumograph stuff. Me too, um, actually. I love Stadler. I, that's, yeah. that's my other, those are like my professional, you know, I have the whole range just to get certain areas that I want darker, lighter. For, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think uh, what I used to, before I moved to mechanical pencils, I would get to a point on the pencil where it would be like, half as long or something and it's like okay this is only for this stuff now because i can't hold it the right way so it's like i'm delegating you to rough larger areas where i hold the pencil um, yeah yeah. flat right (laughs) that's the only disadvantage i think of uh pencils like that is yeah they eventually i had a pencil that obviously the the viewers can't see what i'm doing right now but it was maybe an inch like i got it down to like an inch i actually kept it because it's really cute it was like tiny little pencil so (laughs) anyways (laughs) yeah it's it's hard when you're doing colored pencils it's hard to to kind of get rid of those because it's like oh that's my only whatever color right um yeah color pencils is actually something i would love to play around with more um I think because we both love pencil and we're used to the kind of gradual shading and application of like hard to light to kind of get, uh, you know, shapes or shadows, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's, it's the, 
it's the reordering of a color. If you're out of a color, it just seems like a hassle, I guess. I don't know. So Have you played not, with them? Yeah. So I've done a fair bit of colored pencil work with, um, like, I like the Faber-Castell Polychromos. Okay. So I was going to, that was my next question. What yeah. would you recommend? <laughs> yeah. I'm not sponsored by anyone here, so. <laughs> Sponsor him! Sponsor him! <laughs> um, but I did use the Prismacolor for a period of time. But they're a wax-based, and I like Faber-Castell because they're oil. And oh, okay. Um, I didn't experience kind of lead breakage, so I. Um, but I think if you're so, this is for all the Canadians. <laughs> if, if you're if you're going to buy any Faber-Castell Polychromos, Desire has them on special, and they're really oh, discounted at good. times. And Jeez, so, you're plugging Desires now. Jeez, well, I got to sponsor you. <laughs> <laughs> I had a I had an artist friend who was like. I should, you know, I want to try something like colored pencil. And it's like, hey, does Air have them all? And they're like, I don't know, it was like 40% off. It was like a ridiculous price. Like for 128 it's oh wow, it's not cheap, right? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And she went out and bought the whole set. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there you go. You're like, all right, where's mine? Where's my cut? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do I get out of this? Yeah, exactly. Um, um, I I haven't tried the fa- uh, Faber-Castell ones, mind you. I've tried the Prismacolor. Um, I had the... I was a hundred piece set, not the big one. Cause I've seen people with the big set, but yeah. you know, and I, I have to agree with you. I, I like the, I, I guess it depends what you want it to serve. If you want to blend a big area, I think those are good. Right. But, and, but then if you want a really strong, hard line, like what was praying, those are actually really good pencil crayons and they don't okay. break. Yeah. They're like cheap. They're dollar store pencils. I'm pretty sure you can get them at the dollar store. The other ones that are, um, that I hear a lot of people talking about is the Karen Dash, but oh, I haven't they're tried harder now. to come by. Oh, okay, in, okay. In Canada, so, um, but I've I've seen people reviewing them. They say they're very similar to Polychromos. I know somebody is listening to this thinking, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's what I've heard. So I'm, I'm not. I don't do a whole lot of colored pencil, but I have done a fair bit of colored pencil, and I, I like. If you're doing pencil, it's not so hard. It's almost like, uh, you know, you have to be mindful of the watercolor mindset, you know, freeing, staying away from your whites and... and oh, yes. That Blocking kind of stuff, out right? certain areas. That's one thing I've never tried because that's the other medium I love to use. I think that's what you initially asked me, what tools I use, I think. Yes. Are we making full circle? Are we coming full circle? We are coming full circle. <laughs> um, watercolor is definitely another big one for me and, and ink, but watercolor, have you ever, do you, like, because I know you do watercolor as well. Do you use the masking fluid? once yeah <laughs> so. that's like me like i tried it once and i i was so bad at it it didn't come off and it looked terrible i was like i'll just not paint those areas if i can if i can try to avoid it i, I think it worked it, it's kind of funny you say that because i did the if you look back at my feed i'll link to it but i did a yeah. tree frog and uh oh that was so good by the way yes i remember yeah, the one. green yeah hmm? and so i used masking fluid there i thought i'll, I'll give it a shot because i think i met Somebody on the podcast who was like, yeah, yeah, I use masking fluid. I was like, oh, that's, I got some here. I should use some. So I tried it, and it was okay. Like, I, I think it's fine. Um, I normally come back with white gouache, and that's how I bring back the highlights if I've messed things, things that's, up. That's, I'm with you there. That's what I like. <laughs> I like just going over it with, with white paint if yeah. I need to. Yeah, it's yeah. so much easier than – well, not that it's easier. Maybe I just haven't found the right masking fluid because there's ones that peel off. There's ones that stay, from my understanding. Well, I think like I, th- I think it's the Winsor Newton stuff I've got, and it just kind of rubs off. You can get one of those rubber eraser things, and it pulls it off really quickly. But what, what's, what's funny about this is I was showing my artwork to somebody on a, on a video Zoom thing, and 
we were flipping through, and I don't know when I posted that frog. It was a few months ago, and I'm like, yeah, here's the frog, and and I'm rubbing on it, and I realize I didn't take off all the masking fluid. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, just a second. There, there's the highlights. Oh, I love it. I love it. Hey, it's a bonus. You know, it's an extra part, extra. It's like salt and pepper to a piece, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like scratch and watch, you know? you just it. It's like scratch and sniff, right? You just, I'm going to expose part of the image. It's up to you. Oh, now, that is a cool concept for art. <laughs> I'm not even joking. What a great idea. Can you imagine being at a gallery and there's like a piece on the wall and it's actually, it's a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Engaging, like it, it, it requires the audience to be a part of the installation or part of the piece. And you actually have to scratch it and there's like smells. How would you even do that? Anyways, I'm just going off on a tangent. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. <laughs> right? I would enjoy that. Depend- yeah. I guess depending on what the images are, it's probably certain things you wouldn't want to smell, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a... If you're doing nature and stuff, it would be interesting to smell like mushrooms or... Yeah, like, oh, okay. I'm going to write that down. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Now you have homework. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, So you talk about watercolor. You, How much color are you putting into your stuff? Like uh, if you're doing watercolor, like most of your work is is graphite, so you're you're dealing with grayscale. Are you doing more or less watercolor? um, And how are you applying it? uh it's a it's a back and forth thing really like um like as far as the application of watercolor it isn't like heavy or saturated like you would mostly because the paper that i i use um wouldn't uh, like wouldn't take a lot of layers of graphite you know like like a hot press paper which are which actually are great to draw with as well but uh it's kind of like a very transparent loose kind of use of watercolor in the pieces that I when I do use watercolor and then I always usually go in with with pencil um, graphite's usually always present there's very seldomly pieces that I make that don't have graphite in it in some capacity and so you're using hot press that's your preferred uh I do love hot press paper yeah that's uh, that's one of my favorite I like Stonehenge by Legion okay. I, I really like their their paper um, but honestly I don't really have it set to paper I I use whatever I have uh, for the most part whatever's lingering in the studio so that that could be the Stonehenge um, any kind of hot press paper fluid actually makes a really good one and it's affordable because that's the other thing is watercolor paper isn't cheap um, so I try to I try to use papers that are affordable, but also it, it challenges me to kind of push the boundaries and what I can do with that paper, you know, um, which I, I partly like too, because that's why I think I like using different types of paper is the effects I'll get will be different. Like I got a couple of these just cheap notebooks from Amazon, I think. Um, and they're just like the, the, they look like moleskin, but they're not moleskin because they weren't as expensive. No, no, down to moleskin. Moleskin's great, but woo. But um, yeah. anyways, one of them interacts with watercolor completely different than the other. They look the exact same, but the paper is just slightly different. And the effects you get are slightly different, which is really cool. So I like always trying new surfaces uh, with with drawing. <laughs> so some of your work is, is obviously single sheet, as you say, like 22 by 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it is in sketchbooks. And I'm just curious for somebody who uses graphite so much, are you applying any fixative to your oh, works in sketchbook? Definitely, yeah. Um, especially pieces where it's like a heavy ap- application of uh, graphite powder, just because it's just transferring horribly onto the other page. Yeah, fixative is a big thing. I use a workable a work- workable mm-hmm. fixative. Bleh, workable fixative. I've, I really like that because, you know, I'll apply one layer as I'm working, but I can still erase and take off yeah. and from the paper and then when i'm done i, I apply a 
like a final fixative or a, you know kind of thing. So it definitely helps with the transfer of graphite onto the other side. Yeah, it was. Uh, I took. I've only taken one workshop, uh, and that was with a graphite artist from England, and it was a three day workshop here in Ottawa. Oh, cool. And that's one of the things that he talked about was um, using fixative to apply layers. Yes. And so just that's how you can get the real dark darks is you just use yeah. the fixative to serve as another basis for, for another application of graphite. And I thought that was cool. Oh, yeah. yeah, That and, you know, the transfer on your hand constantly from drawings. <laughs> like <laughs> yes. trying to prevent, you know, your hands from being all gray. But uh, yeah, no, that's another reason why too. Because again, I was as I was saying earlier, like it takes away the sheen of the color. So you can kind of really see how dark you really are. And if you want to go an even darker kind of thing. But so let's talk about your process. Oh, okay. So how does it start for you? Um, I, you know what? I don't, there's not really a set way. Like, I guess I, I start a lot of my pieces with powder, but sometimes I start them with pencil and I just start making shapes. And then from those shapes, I start creating shapes from those shapes. And then I kind of go into a section and I get lost in it by just kind of following my intuit, like just following whatever that is in my mind. I almost call it like a possession. It's like I get into a trance and I just kind of continue and just keep going. And then, and then I come out of it and I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll continue somewhere else. I mean, uh, so there's really no set start finish step process I guess it's my approach to it which is to just start and I know when I first started doing art the scariest thing was a blank piece of paper especially a expensive piece of paper you know mm-hmm. like you know just starting out I mean a six dollar piece of paper that was that was a lot you know kind right. of thing so I was always very apprehensive but now I just kind of go at it right away without hesitating do you need a block of time like do you think well if I've only got half an hour, I'm not going to work on this piece. Do you know? Yeah. I just kind of like, I guess it depends. Like if, okay. An example today, our podcast, your podcast, if I I was meeting you at five 30, I probably wouldn't start a piece at quarter after five because I would hate to be late because I'm not like that. Um, But it's, it's true. I guess I do like to give myself the time just in case I want to continue. And it's like, you're in the flow of it. You know, like you don't want, the worst thing is when you're in the middle of something and you're feeling it, it's going great. And then you got to stop for, you know, whatever reason, you know, that's right. like, cause then it's really hard to find that again sometimes. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you because of the nature of your work where it's abstract with some, you know, clear definition in here, do you find that you're working on one area and you get lost in it for three hours and then something happens and you have to come back to it the next day and then you come back to it and it's like, I'm on a different journey now. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with that? Is that part of the process for you? It's yeah, part of the process, I think, for sure. Because, I mean, life happens. Things happen. I mean, could I, like, sometimes I'll start drawing. It'll be, I don't know, like 11 o'clock. And then I'll look at, it's like four. And I'm like, whoa, where did the day go? You know, I you completely get lost. Especially I listen to, I love music. Music's a huge thing. So as far as p- process, music. Um uh, and podcasts, but also, yeah, music and podcasts are the big things for me when I work, especially instrumental music. So if I put on a movie soundtrack or binaural beats, um, it's like, you know, frequencies of, of focus and things like that. I just completely get lost in the process, which is, which is great. So sorry to answer your question. If I'm working on an area and say, I come back to it the next day, I'll just go to another area and kind of get lost in that. And eventually they kind of meet in the middle. If that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> and you're also working with ink. Yeah, yeah, I do. So how does that work? Is that is that on its own, or are you mixing that in with the pencil? Like, uh, for the most part, uh, ink, it's ink and watercolor. I do like the play of the two because um, you get a really bold, like, like black kind of um, with the. And I like ballpoint. I generally use ballpoint because you can get really good shading. But I also like ink, ink. So <laughs> ink, ink, <laughs> like India ink, I guess specifically. Um, so I kind of use both. But I've I've always liked the relationship of watercolor and ink together, especially when you use loose ink and you bleed it into the watercolors and the play, the frolic that happens between the two is really cool. And honestly, the reason why I think I love pen and pencils they're so they're affordable and they're uh easily um what's the word i'm looking for you could take them anywhere you don't need a huge setup you know you just need a piece of paper a book a pen and a pencil and you're you're off (laughs) you're off off to go right kind of yeah it's uh i agree being able to draw is helpful i've i've joked about it often on the podcast in going to like a, a restaurant that serves kids where they have the paper menus, it is the best canvas sometimes because oh, they give you the crayons. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, it's funny. Yeah. Oh my, um, what was the restaurant? Is it? Um, is it? It's not Moose Menu. Uh, oh, oh, what's that restaurant? Basically, they they bring the paper. It's like meat paper, and they right. put it over right. the right table. Right across the table. Yes. And you can yeah. draw. Yeah, that's yeah. that is that is. I will go to a restaurant purely for that, so I can sit and doodle while I'm waiting for my food. It's such a smart thing. Exactly. Like, what what plate is the smallest plate? Because I need more room for my canvas. So I'll just <laughs> yeah. eat buns and and water, please. Yeah. It's like, uh, sir, you're gonna have to leave if you're actually not going to order right. any food. It's like, yeah, no, yeah, I hear really that. Fixative. Yeah. <laughs> Can I take this? Can I? Yes. Okay. So, the other stuff that you're playing with is digital. Right? Yes. Like you're doing yeah, a little recently. bit of digital now. So how's that going? Uh it's a learning curve. I mean. Before, because I got I got an iPad and I got Procreate. I became I, I and I just wanted to get be cool like everybody else. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I really actually wanted to learn uh, digital, and I seen the art that people create with Procreate, and it's just unbelievable. And I was like, I would love to try that. So I'm still learning. Um, I think I do things the long way because I I was watching a video the other day, and someone did what I it took me an hour to do they did in two minutes <laughs> it's to do with layers and clips and masks and i'm like oh god i'm hopeless but i think that's part of the process of it i literally treat uh procreate like a piece of paper so i don't take i just keep going and i kind of figure it out as i go but the one thing i really like with digital is i can take a drawing that say I've done and I say I'm done with it as far as physical the traditional way of drawing and I, I bring it into procreate and then I can just play you know I can um, add color or not add color or add shadows or add more shapes or just kind of go off on a tangent digitally which is really cool I love the versatility of digital being able to do digital work because prior to that I used Photoshop um, and Illustrator mm-hmm. I used to use those programs but then I, I think the reason why I love the iPad or that technology, because there's other companies that, that offer them, is you're looking physically at what you're drawing versus before I had a tab, uh, a Wacom tablet. Yes. And there's that disconnect. So you're looking at the screen, but you're not looking at your hand, which is traditionally you're looking at your hand as you as you work yeah. usually, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, people need to, I think, do what you're talking about and that is not think about 
if you've got an iPad or you want to buy one and you want to get Procreate, which I highly recommend. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, do you? Yeah, you do you you play with it as well? Yeah. Yeah, I've done a fair number of digital work. Cool. Uh, I use it as a bit of a tool now. So some, and this is where I was going to, I think, lead to it. And I think it falls into what you're saying is is don't think about Procreate being the own like you have to start and end there. Yeah, exactly. Because it's. You know, there's opportunities where you're working on a piece. Um, you may be working on a large piece, and you're trying to understand what should I do next. So you take a picture of it and you bring it in appropriate, and then you can sketch over it and understand what do you do next. Exactly. I did that for Inktober. Ah. I had a two foot by three foot piece of paper, and I put all 31 entries on the same piece of paper. But what I would do after the day, I would think about what do I do next, and I would take a picture of where I think I want to put something, and I would draw it to get a sense of scale and stuff. And then I would just draw it by hand and use that as a reference. Perfect. See, that's that's so smart, because especially, actually, it's interesting, one of my Inktober's was the same. I put it all on one piece of paper. I loved I loved that process. I thought that was cool and a neat challenge to basically a, a piece, like one drawing, but it's composed of so many different things but um so really cool great minds think alike or something yes. like that i don't know yes thank yep. you um but uh that's the cool thing because it would be scary if you put say 10 days you're into 10 days of inktober and you have all these beautiful drawings on your paper and then you go for it and the placement's wrong or this it just doesn't flow right so that's yes. the excellent thing to as a planning tool too it's not even just yep. the end creative art it's just the kind of figuring it out as you go Exactly. And if you're new to art and you're trying to, uh, so I'm working on a course now, and you know, if you want to be able to think about, if you're using reference photos, breaking that image up, it's really helpful to bring it into Procreate, lower the transparency to 50%, add a layer on top and just sketch over it and try to see the shapes. Yeah, Um, It's it's a great tool. It's not just a place to create wonderful digital pieces. You can use it as a tool to augment your, your traditional work too. So. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. uh, Apple Procreate, where's our, uh, where's <laughs> yeah. our sponsorship? I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, you're doing all this work. Have you been, you've been doing it for some time. Is there, are there things that you want to explore that you haven't as a matter of creativity? Um. Oh yeah. Jeez. You could always learn. You could always learn some new techniques or, mediums like I to be honest with you I used to love oil working with oil paint and you know and then I went to school I was taking printmaking and then you know drawing painting that kind of thing and I kind of fell out of oil painting and I love the velvetness that oil paint has more so than say uh, acrylic or gouache or watercolor even so I, I definitely want to explore and play with that again. It's been a long time. I, I don't miss the cleanup. <laughs> I will be honest. I That's one thing. I mean, to be fair, graphite is messy. Is like graphite powder. If that you get on that on your floor, say goodbye to your floor. It's just, it's gone. It's not cleanable. But uh, now I know they have water uh, oil paint that are water-based. Have you ever played with oil, actually? I have not. Okay. I think it's the only medium. Okay. I'm like, what do you recommend? Because I don't know whether it's just to go for water-based or stick with what I know, like the oil-based oil. So I did have Kimberly Brooks on the podcast, and she has a book called The New Oil Painting, and she talks about how to do it so that it's kind of a healthier approach to oil painting. Well, see, that's the thing, too. I don't have a proper situation for oil painting traditionally. Like, I don't have a hooded... You know, for the fumes from, you know, yep. for the turpentine to clean your brushes and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just like, ah, I probably should. That's really cool. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, I'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, do, do. <laughs> <laughs> 
Have you ever played with mushroom ink? Oh my goodness. It's funny you mentioned that. So like basically they're called ink caps, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I learned about it for the first time from a friend in, in Ireland, actually. Actually, um, Hey, Sarah. <laughs> she, uh, she she went in and collected this mushroom. I was like, what are you doing? She's like, it's going to be ink. She was doing Inktober as well. And I had no idea that you could extract ink. Like I've made natural dyes before, you know, through mushrooms. You can get like a steel blue if you use it on fabric and obviously onions and tur- like uh, coffee, all that kind of stuff. I, I love the natural, like making my own paint. So I have made, made my own kind of stains, I guess. Not really paint, so stains. Um, but I've, I didn't know that that was a thing. And I'm just like, it was the coolest thing. I, I But I, I played with it a little bit. But yeah, I definitely want to make like a batch of it. Same with like walnut ink as well. Walnut, um, I wanted to make, so we have a walnut tree. So I was going to make some last year, but the, all the squirrels took all the nuts. So no! I wasn't too happy. <laughs> and, and Shake you, your fist. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> get off my lawn, you kids. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, the pre- the year previous to that, we had all the walnuts like in a container mm. and I, you know, we've I've been here for 20 years, right? I should know better. It's like, oh, I've got this container of walnuts and you know, like the next day they're all gone. Of course. Right. Thieves, but this time no, they, they actually, they're hungry. They are. <laughs> but this year they took them right off the tree. Oh, wow. Um, but, um, yeah, walnut ink I think is a bit more complicated because, you know, people recommend using a, um, a slow cooker. Oh, because you've actually got to process the walnuts. But I, I'm going to show you this. People won't see this, but this is walnut <gasps> ink that I made. Oh, no It's way. just a mason jar of walnut ink. Or not walnut, sorry, mushroom ink. So, okay, question. Uh, I'd love to hear the process, because I want to make some. It's really easy. Okay. It is so easy. All you have to do is, like, August, September, when the ink caps are out, you find them, and normally they'll start kind of folding up the edges of their skirts. I don't okay. know. Okay. Oh, so no, that's act- actually a great way to, yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think acquiesce is the term for it. So I learned this from an artist in England who signed her, um, Joe Brown, who, who signed her work with mushroom ink. And I thought, well, I'm going to paint with mushroom ink. So that's what I did. That's and so, cool. so you wait for them to acquiesce to start to roll up their, their skirts. And it's really quick. Like in a day, they'll roll all the way up and they'll dry and they'll be done. You can't use them. So as they start to roll up, you'll see the ink starting to drip. You, you just simply pull the top off and you put a bunch of these into like a margarine container okay. and throw it in the fridge for four or five days. And then you take it out, you mash it down a little bit, and then you push it out through a tea diffuser. Okay. And so then you end up with this beautiful umber, dark umber kind of material. And then what I did in the second batch is I boiled it for a bit just to just to make it a little bit darker. So to pull off some of the, the, the water. Okay. And then you add 20% vodka, cheap vodka. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not to, the good stuff. <laughs> not the good stuff. To, to stabilize it from growing. I was and, just about to ask you, how do you preserve it? So that must be the way to preserve it. Okay, cool. cool. And it's fairly light fast. I've had a sample in my window and a sample locked away. And they're in, in two years, they really haven't varied that much. Now, the other trick with, with, with mushroom ink is that if you really want the darks, sit a little bit of the mushroom ink into like one of those ceramic pallets or uh, deviled egg containers, whatever you use, (laughs) and and let it dry out so that it's like just basically a black mash of of stuff and reactivate it with some water and you'll get some really, really dark uh, umber. But uh, mushroom ink is so much, and it's, it's great to work with because 
it's the woods. You smell the woods every time you use it. Oh, I got to so I, 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 I see I your work and I... To, I got to. I got to. It's so cool. I see some fungal stuff going on here sometimes <laughs> and it's like, man... Um, How perfect yes. would it be to use... Yeah, that's really... Oh, it's not totally hard to make. inspired me. I'm totally like, yeah, going to actually make some of that. That's really cool. Yeah, it's not hard. Walnut ink, I've, I've understood to be harder, but I still want to try it this year. So I do too. And I, I actually, I collected walnuts and I was like, I'm going to do it, you know, and life happens and forgot about them and, you know, they went bad. And so I never got to, got around to do it. But all I've heard is people say, whatever pot or whatever thing you use, you're not going to want, you want to use it just for because yep. it's it stains terribly like even yep. to the point people are like you almost want to do it on an outside fire like instead of in your house so there's that too <laughs> yeah i was thinking of just going and buying a crock pot at a you know yeah second store kind of thing yeah exactly second hand store yeah just... definitely so crock pot that's that's i yeah. never even thought of that but that's even better yeah. in the garage though not in your house <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so to teaching Yo. have you thought about it have you done it? I I have, but like not in a, you know, like I was an assistant to one of my professors at OCAD. She was a papermaker and she had a papermaking class, which was really cool. Uh, myself and another student got to go and, and do that and help her teach a class, which was really neat. Plus, we got to make our own paper, which also I love too. I actually love to make my own paper. And then I taught kids at a school. I can't remember where this is a while ago. Ah, memories. But um that was really fun, um, especially kids. I think kids are fun in that way because they're they're so excited and wowed by something like something you you'd show maybe to an older person like oh that's cool, but a kid's like how did you do that? It's like magic, you know, <laughs> right. which is just it invigorates you right to see mm-hmm. that. But as far as teach like like what level like high school university like or just class like um because like I contemplated doing a tutorial class but I'm too nervous. <laughs> I'm too shy. I don't know if I could. Well, I, and that's what I'm wondering. Like, if because um, so we chatted earlier this week just to kind of get our tech set up, and and I talked about maybe you know you and I should do a live draw on I will, Instagram. At some I point. I will do that with you. Yes, because you'll be my support system. Because <laughs> I've never I've never even done a live yet. Like I'm I'm so sad. Um, I guess because I'm just super super nervous. Uh, like as in like I'm totally gonna listen to this podcast, but I'm gonna dread it because I'm hearing myself talk. You know, we all don't like the way we sound, right? That's no. what they say. But uh, I, I mean, I, I, I think you know, I read something somewhere. It's like unless you're like, you should always feel like you want to be challenged. You want to feel uncomfortable because when you feel uncomfortable, you're doing something that you're not used to, and who knows where that could lead to, right? So. Right. Like even this, this was a big thing for me, you know, to to chat. And I mean, you, you're great to talk to. It's like, hasn't even really, it just feels like we're having a chat, which is which is brilliant. But uh, I was nervous, you know, kind of thing. But I mean, you never know where opportunities lead. You just got to go. So once you messaged me and asked, I was like, yes. Like without even like <laughs> thinking, oh, what am I going to say? What do I got to do? You know, I just said, yes, I'll figure it out as I go. <laughs> and the reason I ask is I would be so curious about how you would describe to someone how you find your work like in in instructing somebody to say start with this like i I, i'd be curious about how you translate what you do every day naturally to instruction i i'd be curious about that too (laughs) to be honest with you i don't uh i don't know how i would i think i'd be a terrible teacher in that regard then because i just start and they're like uh what are you supposed to do (laughs) 
I'd be like, oh, throw it at the paper, I guess. I, 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 I don't know. It'd be some. It'd be an interesting perspective to take because I'm so used to just doing, and but to teach, teach. That's why. That's why going to our talk before teachers are so important it takes a certain especially a good teacher you know one that uh, you can tell loves to ex- to to inspire you know kind of thing right. so it's like a different it'd be a challenge i'd have to definitely kind of think about what i'd say i don't know <laughs> I, I feel like one of your teachers and maybe it's the wrong way to look at it but maybe maybe it is it is nature and you know a lot of your your patterns a lot of what you what you're doing looks very organic and and very inspired by nature and i'm just curious do you get to a point ever where you're looking for inspiration are you still are you looking out in nature for textures and interesting things is that is that part of who you are and kind of refilling your creative cup oh yeah i definitely i um but it's it's nature it's definitely nature that is the the top uh, nature and space but obviously i've been to space so i rely on google for that but um uh but also um just everything really like it's okay this is really that's very general of a statement everything inspires me um i guess what i'm saying is like if you're walking down a street even it doesn't have to be in the in nature but you see the way the sun casts its shadow on a building onto a building next to it but then there's trees in front of it so there's play on shapes that are completely abstract they're representational things but it's the shadow work that i'm attracted to as well that inspires me so you know the details in in nature and in um microscopy as well like i love um, a friend of a dear friends two friends a friend's mine got uh, me a microscope that connects to my phone and it's like the coolest thing ever oh my god i freaking love it thank you if you're listening but um yeah i don't know like i i i guess yes nature would be the the forefront of my inspiration but then uh anything really can be which i know is such a everything is inspirational but it is though it is i mean i'll see something and i'll just take a picture of it you know if i'm walking and busy doing something going somewhere i'll be like oh that's really cool like if i'm driving somewhere i pull over don't worry i pull over and take a picture (laughs) of something like of a field and it's even the colors like uh, not even necessarily uh what to draw but even the color scheme like i'll never forget i was driving to my my parents place and the fields the way the sun was hitting the fields and it was just in the prime season of wheat season so it was like yellow and then the trees were so lush green but the sky was like cerulean blue and it was like just a combination of colors like i gotta capture this so i I take a picture of that so i mean i guess that is nature (laughs) so yes to answer your question nature that's that's in a roundabout way it's nature yep I think that's that's great because I think sometimes some of us don't think about that. We're we're on our way between here and there, and we forget about the now. Mm-hmm. And I think it. I think what you could also teach somebody is is how to look at the world, right? And 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 maybe the way that you would teach would be out in Algonquin Park or somewhere like that. So you're exposed to the textures, right? And maybe it's about building those textures and showing those textures and how to draw them. And maybe that's a way to get to where you need to be. But because I think that's, as you were talking about, you know, being out driving and this and that, it reminds me of a little bit of a related comment. My daughter wasn't sure what what she wanted to do in university. And she says, well, I want to go to chemistry. And it's like, why do you want to do chemistry? She says, it's like, it's everything. 
She's everything not wrong. we look at yeah. is chemistry. That's so it's cool. Like, I never really thought about it right. And it, it doesn't take it sometimes it takes that comment from somebody else in yeah. a different mind space that says something that that completely so impacts how like, you see the world. You're right. <laughs> no, honestly, if I could go back to school, which I plan on to when I'm 65, because you get to go for free, I want to take biology because I nature, which is a part of nature, but also like <laughs> just the deets, like the little things, like the macro, micro yes. of life I love. And that's like a big part of, of my work, definitely. I love drawing insects. It's, it's a completely... Yeah different world it's beautiful oh it is yeah. like uh, yeah. I, w- I can't remember what insect it was but i remember when you look at them you're like oh cool it's this but then when you get a photographer that takes like a macro shot of it or just a cl- you're like that's what you look like like because you can't see it and i think that's another reason why i like the hidden worlds the small yep. worlds because you know they while they exist in a real plane they're abstract in their own way because it's like it's not something seen it's something yeah unless really looked at i suppose yeah i like so on the insect topic i <laughs> i learned this year that earwigs can fly did you see that article too or something yes yeah yeah i With was their crazy shocked. wings i was shocked i was like that just freaks me out even more i mean i'm not i'm not scared of insects but like I can pick them up and have them on me, but when they're when I don't know they're there, I'm like, oh, they kind of. It's it's amazing that something so small can startle you. But uh, yeah, I was shocked. I had no idea the earwigs could fly. Ever since I saw the Wrath of Khan, I've always been <laughs> fearful of earwigs. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Well, they're uh, pinchers. They're kind of yeah. It's it, it's creepy, but when you see them, the, the way they unfold their wings, I like. I didn't know they had wings, and then the way they yeah. unfold them is so crazy. It's like so wait, I, what? I, <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> they can't just crawl. They can just jump to where I am. Now they can um, bite me and fly at me at the same time. That's it's right. Like, what the hell, nature? But yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm going to include a link to that because if you haven't seen the video, it's it's incredible. Oh. Um, I, I saw it and it's like, I got to draw that. Yes. So I'll watch it. it. Yeah. You'll have beautiful dreams afterwards. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to just quickly touch on kind of the idea of monetizing and selling your art. And what that experience has been like for you. Because uh, you've got a fairly large following on Instagram. Um, and you've got Patreon. And what's your feeling about someone who's, you know, selling their art, about monetizing it? What's your comment about all of this, right? It's, honestly, it's tough. Like, when I, when I first kind of started selling my work, I didn't know how to price it. I still don't know how to price my work, if I'm being honest. I, I try to... I try to, I guess, treat it like, well, it is a job, you know, so I try to treat it in the sense like what hourly rate do I deserve with my years of experience, my age, how long I've been at in this industry, and how much I should be paid for. And then I kind of take that and look at the hourly rate or the how much how many hours did this piece take me, and then I kind of charge from there, which I think is fair. But even then, you know, it's it took me a while to get to that understanding of it. You know, like I know my mom, bless her. She's, she's like, you don't charge enough. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh mom. But even then I, it's still something I kind of battle with, but I think that the, one of those brilliant ways and the, one of the main ways I've generated kind of income was uh, to, to go back to social media. Like I, I mean, I've had art shows and exhibitions. It's been a while since I've had one truthfully, because with COVID, you know, there, there wasn't anything really going for what, two, three years at least. Mm-hmm. And then I just haven't 
had actually the time to kind of apply to, to galleries, although I'd love to. But I mean, as far as selling your work, it's uh, social media is a great way to go, really, because it's free for the most part. I mean, you have to pay for your domain, I guess, if you want to go that route. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, you're connected to millions of people. As much as I'd love to have exhibitions and galleries and stuff, it costs money. It's not cheap in some places, right? So I think it's if you're starting out and you want to see where it goes, I think the best avenue is to go that way. And to be honest with you, uh, opportunities come starting from social media. Like I had a show in Toronto and they approached me through Instagram. And I, it was a free, free show. They just wanted to showcase my work, which was really cool, you know. So you never know where that, that can lead. I don't know if that answers your question, but I think to, to sum it, the, the best way you can kind of go about selling is uh, a, an online presence. And then when you can, I mean, I think we can all say the same. When you see art in person, there's always a different, it's, it's always better, I think. Right. Yeah. Did, did Pentel discover you through Instagram? Yeah. Yeah, through through the when did that? I'm trying to remember how when that happened, but yeah, it was definitely they messaged me on there, um, yeah. and they said, uh, "Yeah, we love your work. We'd love to feature you as an ambassador." And I was just like, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> "You can't see my face, but it's like dropped because, especially when you use something that you love so much, and then the company comes and wants to support yes. you. That's like the coolest thing." And I was like, "Oh uh, yes!" <laughs> like I didn't have to think, you know. I was like, "Absolutely, whatever you need me to do." master <laughs> like, you yes. know I'm, I'm here but yeah it was the it was the same with me I w- they reached out to me and it's like you're what yeah <laughs> like it's and it's that... not even my full-time job yeah. and i'm <laughs> i'm in my 50s and isn't life wonderful yeah. yeah yeah and that's a you were telling me uh briefly before that you got into art in like later with your daughter what, yeah when i was 40 yeah which is great i love that story yeah what what uh, it was your daughter that started with it and then you're like all right i'll draw so my wife had the better job. So when it came to like, who's going to manage the child, um, our first child, it was like, well, I'll, I'll work from home and I'll, I'll do it. And so for the first three years, I was doing that most of the time during the day. And awesome. I was just trying to keep her busy. And I can only watch so much, you know, high five and wiggles and everything else that <laughs> uh, I started drawing. And, and the first thing I think I drew was a triceratops. And, oh, and Yes, dinos. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Uh, now I did... You know, I drew as a kid, and I did go to. I was in mechanical engineering in college, wow. so I had exposure to that kind of stuff. But yeah, it, yeah, it was kind of a form of, enter- of entertainment that led into something, and then I just started building on it. And beautiful, you know, when you have a group of people around you saying, "Wow, you should do more," it really, it really helps a lot. Oh, uh, encouragement, and that okay, that's actually another great point for for uh, it's it's the community that you can build yes. online. I mean, I met you. Yes. through Instagram. I mean, we're mm-hmm. we're a living example of the beautiful relationships that you can create through social media, you know, like, and, and just yeah, the community you can make. Like now I, I talk to pretty much mostly all the Pentel people, you know, and I love it. You know, it's, it feels like a little family and like there's people that have been following me for a long time and they still message me and it's just nice. It's just, you know, yeah, you get your little, you know, troublemakers here yes. and there but uh that's just part of it you just gotta shake that off and keep going <laughs> yeah yeah there's there's a lot of troublemakers but i think we can't take it personally you have to understand no. it's a bot most of the time and yeah exactly yeah. and even then if it was someone say a real person that said you know i've had i've had great comments and i've had just like 
unsolicited opinions that actually don't add anything to the discussion. Do you know what I mean? Just someone wants to rain on your day. But like, I, I just, I'm not one of, like, I don't, I, I always wonder, I'm like, what do you expect me to do now? Just like quit art? Yeah. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> Bye. I love art and I always will, regardless yeah. of, you know, of the opinions of others, you know, but I love constructive criticism. I think it's like, it's beneficial. That's why you kind of go to school, you learn how to be constructive. And there is a beautiful thing with constructive criticism. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if you want to make art and create, you do it, regardless yeah. of what anybody says. Yeah, I mean, you've got to surround yourself with that network that, that supports that supports you and knows what you, you do. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And we're part of that. So yeah. share your work with us. Yes, absolutely. Do show, show, show. <laughs> so what do you think is holding back a lot of artists that you're seeing on social media? I mean, that's where we see a lot of people. What do you think is holding back people from kind of going, getting to the next level? Um, I don't know. I think that that can be different for everybody, really. There's, there's no set thing. I think... Uh, uh, taking the jump, like I was saying, is it's scary. Like it, I mean, it, even then, sometimes I wake up now and I'm like, <gasps> did I do the right thing? <laughs> Should I just, you know, give it up and do something else? Um, I I don't know if that holds back people. I mean, everyone could have their their kind of reason for not pursuing it full time, or they are unable to because of certain reasons or whatever. But I don't know. Like if you draw for five minutes a day once a week if you draw once a month you're still drawing and it's like if you always have that or painting or whatever your medium may be um if you're creating in any kind of time or capacity you have it's like i think eventually it's like a like a infection <laughs> it's like you you uh you start it you're like well i kind of want to go finish it i kind of want to go work more on it and you can kind of you know you you build up like an addiction to it, I guess. And you just keep making, but I, I don't really know. What would you say? Like, I, what would you, what do you think hold back, hold, holds back people? I'm not used to receiving the question. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> I don't even so know if I really answered it at all. I'm, <laughs> I'm terrible, but um, I don't know. I, I, th I think curiosity holds back a lot of people. Okay. I think not just being curious, but acting on it. Yeah. That's a way better and answer than mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just put that with my voice. In the okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> we'll just do that with some AI. That's no yeah. problem. Oh, yeah, there you go. Elon's yeah. got it, so. Oh. Yeah. Um, the fun thing about being a kid is that your decision-making is limited. Tastes good, eat more. Uh, <laughs> smells good, smell more. <laughs> when we get older, we tend to fully triage anything that we do. Oh, well said. And, and so I think that... Complicate things, too. We, tend we to, do. Yeah, that's so and true. And so I think that as an artist, it's important to be curious. Be curious about other people's work, other people's process, but not just be curious. Act on it. Mm -hmm. Why do you do it that way? Uh, where does, why are you um, using that medium? What kind of paper is that? Uh, what inspires you? I think that's... It, it's it's exposing yourself to these conversations, to these artists that may pull you in directions you didn't anticipate. And I think we have to kind of give ourselves over to that. Surrender. Um, and just, yeah, exactly. Surrender to it and, and be open to this opportunity. Because if if you knew how to do it, you'd be doing it. Right. So I think we have to just kind of give ourselves over to it and just... Be humble about it. And just, exactly. You know, Take in the experience. Absolutely. Like, there's, yeah. it's never too late. It's never too late to start art, to, to be creative, to do any kind of uh, 
you know, avenue within art or creativity in any way, you know, it's never late uh, for it at all. I mean, it's so important. It's like, it's important not to use the childlike wonder. Yes. It's, it's important to look through life with like, like a child. You know, I mean, yeah, we got to be adults, you know, the odd time, but like, yeah. you know, there's a lot of fun and, and, and especially when you discover, like, I love when I find a new paper or like a new, like when I found liquid graphite, which is a, something I'll use sometime as well. Like that was like, <gasps> it's like Christmas, you know, it was the coolest thing. So I think, yeah, no, I liked your answer way better. So we'll go with that one. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just back to the point we talked about earlier, like if you're in a restaurant and you feel like drawing something, just draw it. Yeah, that's why I always have a little note. I always have my sketchbook with me all the time. I never go anywhere without it. You know, I usually always have it with me because you never know when something strikes or even not even a drawing, but a concept or like uh, Mm -hmm. an idea of a series or something like that. You're like, oh, and you don't want to forget it. I mean, there is the notes on the phone, but I'm so traditional. Like I still buy books. I don't get, uh, what are they called? E-books. I mean, I do, but I, uh, I am, I'm a traditionalist at heart, I suppose. (laughs) It's like, yeah. Pen paper, what's that? Use your iPad, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, I do a lot. My my day job is around digital, but I love paper. I love paper. I love ink. I mean, it's it's, the tac- it's tactile. It's, it, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Jinx. No, I was kidding. Yeah, it's the tactile uh, nature of it, which is like you feel yeah. more connected to it. I'm not saying that you don't with digital, because still it takes a lot of work with with that as well. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I like the. Yeah, the, the the tactileness of of touching paper and and pen to paper, pencil yes. to paper. It, whatever, it's it's all good, right? Yeah. Where do you see yourself in, like one to three years? Oh, that's a. Uh, hmm, where do I see myself? Hopefully, selling more pieces. That's you know. Um, <laughs> ultimately, I just hope I'm happy. Um, still doing art, you know, because that is—it's uh, cliche, but it's you know, I—I it, it, don't know what I do without it. I really don't. I don't know what I would do without being able to create every day, and I'm so grateful for that. Every day I wake up. Every, that's one thing, actually. One thing I do every day is I do morning pages, and oh wow, yeah. So I write every. I've been writing since I was a, I, you know, diary. At the lock and key when I was a kid, you know, and then, you know, I just shifted to journal making. So I, I write morning pages every day, which um, I got from a really interesting book. I don't know if you've ever read it, but uh, Julia Cameron, yes. uh, The Artist's Way, mm-hmm. and I absolutely loved reading that and that inspired me huge. And I always wrote before reading that book, but I it's the, it's the concept morning pages. And I... I do that every morning. And basically my, my point is, is I write and I, I write what I'm grateful for. Uh, I always list a few things that I'm grateful for. So I, initially I start my day in a positive mindset, you know, even if I didn't get enough sleep or this or that, or that's bugging me, or this is today, or this is tomorrow. It's like, what are you grateful for? Kind of taking yourself out of the, the ether and the, the bigger picture and bringing it down to a very simple thing. And cause life can get overwhelming, you know, like it's true. Like, what am I going to do in three years? Where am I going to be? Am I going to have enough money to do this and, and that? But I mean, ultimately it's like focus on today and the now and be truthful to it. And things will work out. You can manifest your, your, your dreams basically. So, uh, so what am I going to be like three years? I ideally still happy in making art. That's all I can ask for. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love the gratitude approach. I think more people need to do that. It's hard. 
It is. It is hard to do it. Yeah, because, you know, everyone has bad days, you know, right. like I'm not, I have bad days and I just want to not work in the studio or not do this. But, you know, I try to always give myself perspective. I think it's good. I mean, sometimes we need that kind of um, emotional walking stick through the day. And if it's if it's built on a, a piece of gratitude that you've written down, I think that's helpful, right? Yeah. To be able to lean on it and say. It's like, wait yeah. a minute. Okay, no, yeah. I got this going for me right now. I'm doing a podcast. This is cool. <laughs> love it. Love it. If you had the option of having dinner with somebody, fictional character. Fictional. Okay. Fictional character. Who would it okay. be? And why? Oh, that's so hard. Oh, you're going to throw that at me. Um, fictional character. Oh, <sighs> this is tough. Because I love reading too. I love, I love, um, I actually just finished uh, a book called The Call and the author's escaping me and I feel so bad, but that was a really cool story. But um, fictional, like, in, it does have to be book or it could be a TV show or anything. I'm just wondering what that conversation that you look forward to the most, or what would <sighs> that you would look forward to the most. I mean, we, we do that often, right? We read a book or we see a TV show. It's like, oh, I'd love to sit down and chat with that person. You know what? I probably, I'm drawing a blank. Like, I'm okay, I'm going, right? This is the process in my head right now. Um, I'm thinking of the movies that I like, and I'm thinking of characters in the movies that I like in the movies, and I'm like, would I would I sit down to dinner with them? Like, what would I ask? I don't know. Are they worth it? <laughs> this is actually really tough. Uh, wow, you stumped me. Well, I, I love, I love. Uh, you know, I, I guess I'd have to say. I mean, Frodo Baggins, because, you know, his whole journey with Lord of the Rings, and I love Lord of the Rings, huge Tolkien fan and uh, of the movies and the books. Um, I probably have to totally talk about him and his journey. Um, that would be really cool. I guess, I don't know. Oh, it seems like such a common answer, though. No, was, that's not a common. No? Because no. I was like, what's something really, like, cool? Another one would have been Matthew McConaughey from Interstellar, which I love that movie. And soundtrack. Yes. Great soundtrack to listen to. That's one I listen to a lot. Just this life and how everything changed so quickly and, and not a short yeah. amount of time because space is messed up, you know? I don't know. Uh, that's that's such a good question. <laughs> I like your answers. Oh, good. Okay, they're good. They're not I, bad. I like <laughs> okay, now, I'm sorry. I, I, I know I'm not supposed to ask you the questions, but I'm just actually curious of what yours would be now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't... I, I You know what? I've asked it so much. I don't know if I've thought it through to think about... A fictional character, because sometimes I say nonfiction, so it could be anyone who's lived past or present. Mm -hmm. um, so I think for me it would be, um, and I don't remember her name, but the the uh, the, the linguist in the movie Arrival, yeah, uh, because she has that interesting journey and her view on language. I think that's my first thing because you said Interstellar, and I'm thinking Interstellar was brilliant. What's the other sci-fi movie? Oh, I loved Arrival. <laughs> uh, so maybe maybe. Yeah, no, Maybe. I, I, uh, I'd even go the full way and be like, let's talk to the aliens. I'd have dinner with the aliens. They were good. They were good people, right? They weren't bad they were in good. that movie. They weren't like Prometheus bad, right? Or aliens, right? right? Yeah, Prometheus Xenomorphs. They weren't xenomorphs, so that's good. Wouldn't want a dinner with them. But um, <laughs> My daughter was always disappointed there was no movie characters around, um, what was it, uh, Abbott and Costello? There was no, that was, I think, what they named them, right? There were no characters in The Arrival. There was no uh, characters out. There's nothing you could buy that was like, here's Arrival, movie yeah. wear. Like, she wanted, what are those uh, pop 
things, you know, that you... Oh, the the characters in the box? Yeah, that have the yeah. head on the little spring. Yeah. Someone, some, I, I, I hear you yelling at me, but I can't hear what you're saying because <laughs> <laughs> we can't get feedback through the podcast. But um, something pops. Anyways, uh, yes. she wanted one of those from their <laughs> arrival and it's like, why don't you make them? That would be so cool. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. So I always get to this point... You know, people have heard your journey and some of mine uh, and heard our stories and maybe want to take this to the next level and try and do something uh, built off of kind of what we talked about on the show. So I'm wondering, Melissa, what would you recommend as homework for the listener? So I had a, a thought of this and I, I, I was trying to go over what do I do when I'm stumped, when I don't know where to start or I'm scared to start. And I'm like hesitant because I think a lot of art suffers from hesitancy and just not the ability to start and jump off and kind of thing. Right. And so a lot of the times it's just, it's like writer's block, creative block, art block. You're like, I don't know what to do. Uh, one exercise that I love to do is blind contours. So a blind contour drawing is basically you're looking at what you're drawing, but you're not looking at the paper. So you're not looking at yourself drawing it, which is what you want to do. Your eyes are trained to look at the paper in your hand, but you're actually just going to continue to look at what you're drawing. And it can be anything. It doesn't have to be a staged setup of fruit and basket. It can literally just be your desk in front of you. Just start drawing shapes from your desk. Um, Like the other day I started drawing my lamp. That's here. It's an old brass lamp it's actually really cool i got it for three dollars but anyways um (laughs) i started drawing that and then this exercise that the the reason why it's slightly different than a fully blind contour is eventually when you feel as though you got the basis of the shape that you're drawing and you feel like you're you're there you can look now you can continue drawing what you see so you can just better it shade it or whatever or you can have fun and just go off and create other shapes from the shape that you just created and create something completely abstract. And then another thing uh, that I want to note too is how you hold your material when you're even blind contouring. So like you could hold your pencil like a child would, like with a fist and start drawing like that. Or you can hold it to the side and shade, get a better kind of side angle with your lead pencil. Or it paint, if that's your thing, you can just start making marks on the paper and in your mind you know it may not look like it it probably won't most blind contours don't but that's the point it kind of takes you out of um, the fear of having to create something when you're just seeing what you're looking at and creating and then you can kind of take that to yourself and make it your own i love that yeah is that yeah. did i explain it okay i actually had notes in my i'm just flipping through my sketchbook i'm just like okay mention okay hold in pencil try all differently okay i got that <laughs> Try different materials. And yeah, that's the other thing. You can mix materials. You don't have to stick with one type. You can just start with pencil and end with, you know, paint. Well, I I love that. And you know what? Those teachers you talked about, I hope they're still listening because I'm so thankful that you've taken this first step to teaching because that that's what you just did. Oh, so I think good. That's, brilliant. that's good. I hope, honestly, it's uh, to be honest, I, I was in contact with them, but I haven't seen them in, in some time. So I, I hope if they are, like they 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 do hear this and that that'd be awesome but yeah yeah, yeah I, I think that's that's the kind of stuff we need to hear right and i think that we'll lean on that as we run into you know challenges and uh, that's something i have not tried is blind contour drawing so i'm gonna have to do that yeah i honestly it's it's nice because it does take the the fear of what to draw sometimes it's that is what's holding you back like holding 
excuse me, creatives back is simply right. where to start. I mean, that, for me anyway, um, there's a lot of days where I don't know what the heck to do. So yeah, like the other, uh, I'll be showing that video in the next week or two on Instagram. So I did it for, it was part of the, the podcast. So I'd have an example of my exercise to, to show. So if people want to see it, it'll be on my Insta- Instagram. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So on that point, mm-hmm. where can people find you online? Oh, well, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, you can find me pretty much on most social platforms. I'm on Instagram at ARMC Studio, which is the same on TikTok. And where else am I? Uh, my website, which is uh, aslamrainrock.com. And what else? Instagram. Facebook is the same, ARMC Studio. Yeah, it's pretty much ARMC Studio across all platforms, pretty much. That's awesome. And I will link to all of those in the show notes. So if you are driving or running (laughs) or just walking in the woods and listening to this podcast, uh, if your app supports it, you can just click on the links in the app. Or you can go to uh, the website, and I'll list the uh, the URL at the end, and you can click on the notes that way and just uh, chase these down afterwards. So I'm going to include links to everything that we spoke about because we even uh, the flying earwigs. You definitely even check that. the flying earwigs. <laughs> it's so funny because you know what's scarier to me than flying earwigs mm-hmm. is a blank piece of paper. <gasps> oh, <laughs> so. you know what? I have to concur. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the fear. The fear is real. <laughs> A big yeah. white piece of paper is scary. <laughs> it is. It is. But you'll get past it. Do some blind contour. That's right. I'm going to try that next time. Just go for it. Yeah. As I'm going to break in Can a sketchbook that way, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, the first page of a new sketchbook. That's scary yeah. territory. Yeah. You want it to be perfect. But that's, and I, as much as I can sit here and preach, uh, don't worry about, I mean, I, it still goes through my mind. You know, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's got to be, it's the first sketch. It's got to be perfect. But it doesn't. Like, a, especially a sketchbook, it's uh it's meant to be like a, de- a mess, a messy zone of creation. Well, when you open up the sketchbook to show people, you just dig your finger in like three pages in and you can skip the first. Yes. <laughs> That's a trick do. of the trade. Absolutely. You're like, all right, I'm going to yeah. skip. And then when you're ready to put a proper drawing, you can put yeah. it on the first page. <laughs> Don't tell the secrets. <laughs> well, this has been wonderful, Melissa. Thank oh, you. Likewise. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being on. Uh, it's it's so good that uh, Pentel has brought us together. Yes, thank you, and, Pentel. <laughs> and supporting uh, artists around the world and in, in the stuff that they make. So I think this has been incredible. It's been so fantastic learning about your journey and your art and kind of getting in behind, you know, getting into the mind of someone that creates these beautiful pieces and understanding where you're coming from. Uh, I look, I'll look at these differently, but I'll still probably spend too much time thinking about my life. <laughs> as I look through these. But I encourage you to keep sharing with us uh, your journey, your art. Uh, it's been incredible watching, and I look forward to what you're going to make in the next few years. Aww. So thanks again. means a lot, man. Thank you. <laughs> okay. This was awesome. Uh, take care, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yes, absolutely. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Show notes, including links to everything Melissa and I spoke about, can be found at drawinginspiration.fm slash 93. If you enjoyed the show, Please follow, share, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This will help surface the podcast for others to enjoy. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Be kind to yourself and each other, and keep drawing. Theme music for this podcast is Acid Jazz, provided by Kevin McLeod.